podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues, three opinions, one Everton podcast. Welcome to episode 61 of the Unholy Trinity Podcast, where this week, I'm delighted to say we're all sitting here with a, a pint of Echo Falls Rosé <laughs> and a little Colombian coffee espresso shot <laughs> as we're going to mull over uh, another fantastic win for Everton. But we're also joined by uh, another Evertonian, a uh, very successful man in business as well, the, the man in charge of downtown and business in, in Liverpool, and that's Frank McKenna. Frank, thanks very much for coming on the show, mate. Hi, Peter. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to the chat. Yeah, we are as well, mate. It, it promises to be a Another positive, positive uh, chat this week, that's for sure, as uh, Everton are currently sitting top of the league, but we won't say any more about that, I'm sure, <laughs> over the course of the next hour or so. But let's, let's, let's get straight in there, because you know we, we wanted, and we, we said last week, about making sure that we maintain uh, the positive start of the season after a great win against Spurs. We've kicked on with a great win in midweek in the League Cup with, it, with our second string against Salford. And then West Brom, 5-2, Goodison Park, Another fantastic win. If the performance wasn't quite probably at the level that we that we saw against Spurs, but Pete, absolutely fantastic win, wasn't it, against West Brom yesterday? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think um, when we went one nil down, I think most Blues, including myself, were thinking, yeah, this 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 is a familiar feeling. I think it, it felt like a bit of a throwback to the Aston Villa game um, last season under Silva, where I, I think we. You know, we had a couple of solid performances. We, I think, we could have gone third in that game. Was it? Could have gone top against Villa. Could have gone top against Villa. Exactly. Uh, yeah, similar situation. Yeah. yeah. Well, but it was that, that was the game everyone expected us to win, and of course we we lost it and didn't play very well. And I think when that first goal went in, particularly the manner it went in, you know, running straight through the the, the middle of midfield for about thirty yards. Um, and then being able to swish a shot straight past Pickford, which arguably should have done better with. It felt like a a certain kind of uh, momentum was getting the game underway. So the fact that we turned it round um, and went back, you know, two one up at the end of the first half, it, it felt different, didn't it? I think. Yeah, uh, and, and let's let's go back to the first goal because you know no no better place to start really. Um, because like you said, we had that sort of typical Everton feel. Started the season really well against Spurs. Excellent performance. New players performed really well. West Brom comes comes with Goodison. You know, got turned over by Leicester last week, and then they, they go on the counter um, and and they, they put the put the ball past Jordan Pickford. And I don't, I don't want to get on Pickford's back again because I think it happens obviously quite often and understandably so. But Frank, I'm going to ask you if I can. Was Jordan Pickford at fault for that first goal? I think he was one of the players at fault. I think, um, you know, the team have got to defend much better than that. I think in his comments after the game, Ancelotti indicated that he wasn't happy with the defending. Uh, And I think, you know, one of the other positive things coming out of yesterday's match was the manager's comments. He's certainly not getting carried away, even if some of us are. Um, And, you know, he was very measured, wasn't he, in terms of his comments about the performance I don't think that uh, Pickford covered himself in glory with, with either of the goals, to be honest. Um, but nonetheless, I think the point that Pete made there, he's ran 30 yards with the ball without a challenge. 
Um, now you thought that with you know the signings of Allen uh, and Decore, um, that wouldn't be happening so often. But equally, um, I have to say, I always think Mina's got a mistake in him, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure that you know when Holgate's fit. Uh, he's going to be anything other than a bench warmer, to be honest, because he didn't convince me last season, uh, and certainly his performance yesterday was anything but solid. So I think, yeah, you could put a question mark over Pickford. Undoubtedly, you know, if if we're going to be challenging for that sort of top six, which is where Everton aspired to be, at least in the initial phases of this project, then our goalkeeper has got to be one of those players that saves your points, not cost you points. Uh, and I don't think Pickford's uh, the man at this moment in time. Whether he can improve uh, over the course of the next 12 games or so, we'll see. Uh, but I'd be surprised if Ancelotti and co weren't actually looking at alternatives to, to the goalkeeping position moving forward. Yeah, I, I think with, with Jordan Pickford, I think that the tone was set quite early, wasn't it, when we had that... Uh... The back pass from Mina, which wasn't great anyway, to be honest. Yeah. And then Pickford started to loop it back, didn't he? And, and it obviously uh, messed it all up and, and pulled into a little bit of trouble. So the tone was set early, and that's where I think a little bit of dread sneaks in with us. You know, Jordan Pickford, you know, if we want to get sorted top four or top six, is he going to be a goalkeeper that can get us there? Probably not. You, you need someone for me who's got better concentration level. And we've picked on Mina a couple of times in, in the previous season when he, he started the season really well and I thought went off the boil. And, and Lee, I'll come to you on this one. What, what are your thoughts with, with, with Mina? Because, you know, there's talk of Tamori again. Uh, he did come off at Chelsea uh, in the second half today. Uh, but there's talk of him potentially coming in. Um, do you think that yeah, Mina might see him himself spending a bit more time on the bench, especially, obviously, Holgate will come back in, no doubt, in the next maybe six, six to eight weeks. A new centre half could be coming in. Could Mina be be the uh, the one to make way? Most definitely, mate. I I, I agree with Frank there. Um, I think that let's have it right. Mina's only in the team now because Hall gets injured. I don't think Mina and Keane complement each other at all. They're both quite similar. Both of them lack pace. Both of them like to defend, probably you know fairly deep line. Like to head it and kick it. You know he's reasonable on the ball in possession. His passing isn't bad, but. Not only did he cock up in the first minute, which set the tone, like you said there, and obviously gave a bit of encouragement to West Brom if they, you know, because they had a bit of pace up front. And to be fair, they surprised us a little bit. You know, we all thought they were going to sit off in a bank of five and let, let's see if you can break us down. But you know, they, they came there with a bit more intent. Slav and Adam set up, you know, with with a bit of, as I said, a bit of pace up front, and you could see there that that was going to cause us a few issues. And um, you know, Mina, like like Frank said there, he has definitely got a mistake in him. You know, there was one other section there where he, he pushed up, trying to win the ball in midfield. You know, they, they, they've literally, he stepped up, they played it in behind him. A better team there score, scores. I mean, Alan was absolutely rollicking him there after that. And I quite like that because Alan seems to have come in, you know, and already he's, he's already, you know, uh, uh, quite quite vocal in the team. You can see that. But um, it does worry me a little bit with him. You know, he, he looks like he's running in quicksand when he runs as well, which doesn't help. Um, and we do need, if we are going to bring a centre half in, it has to be one, someone like a Tamori who has got pace. Because Keane, you know, I think Keane's been one of our best players since since we started the season. He's been excellent. He's and he was excellent really um, after lockdown. I mean, Carlo, you know, obviously really likes him. He's given him a new contract. Um, he scored two goals. You know, he scored two goals in a, in, in a week. 
he seems to be playing with a lot of confidence and he is that type of guy and he, he definitely needs an arm around him and told him he's a million dollars key. Um, but going back to your original point about Mina, he, he does worry me and, and the sooner we can get Holgate back, uh, the better because he was certainly one of our better players last season. I mean, it's important not, not, not to dwell on, you know, mistakes made yesterday, but it's also important to point them out that we won the game 5-2. Obviously, West Brom down to 10 men, which, which helped the situation. But you have to, have, you know, realise that it wasn't a perfect performance. There's a lot of things to work on. Like, like, you, like you said, Frank, Carlos after the game, you know, defensively, it certainly wasn't perfect. There's, there's things we need to definitely, definitely work on. Um, but let's, let's, let's sort of turn it around if we can and, and, and look at, the, the many positive aspects of the game and and probably the you know one of the major ones being Dominic Calvert Lewin again who apparently doesn't score goals bags a bags his first hat trick of his of his career and you know as much as you could you could argue he wasn't massively involved in the game really but he scores he scores three goals and he's doing the job piece that we need our centre forward to be doing yeah definitely Absolutely. I thought his post-match comments were telling, but Ancelotti's as well, they, they sort of um, married up in quite an interesting way. So, Luke Calvert-Lewin was saying Ancelotti's been trying to get him to work more on his one-touch finishing. And I think the game on Saturday was a perfect example of that coming into play. I think all three goals, weren't they, were, were one-touch finish inside the box. Um, but I don't know if, if people heard Ancelotti's quip about Inzaghi. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> saying that he, you know, he didn't have to move much and he scored over 300 goals. But, um, but again, it's another great example, isn't it, of you know, of man management and development. And it's, you know, it's great to see that coming into play so quickly because I think Calvert Lewin's, he's physical, he's fit, he's young, he works really hard, and arguably prior to Ancelotti coming in, he did an awful lot for the team without a great deal of you know, um, sort of outcome and reward, I think, both both personally, but also in terms of his team performance, we didn't get the best out of him. So, it's, uh, yeah, it's good to see and I hope he carries on. I've always you know, liked DCL. I've always thought he, he reminded me, actually, of, of Graham Sharp in his earlier career. Uh, you know, when Sharp, he'd be um, putting the effort in, scoring some pe- spectacular goals. Uh, he scored one against Tottenham, I remember, in about 1982-83, which was a, a superb strike. But he's never had that consistency. Uh, and it was only actually when Andy Gray came to the club that you started to see the best come out of shot. And, and I think with Calvert-Lewin, maybe he's got a manager there who's just been able to spot something in him and give him that confidence and also give him the instruction uh, to do the right thing. Uh, you know, you just said yourself, Pete, he did have this tendency, didn't he, to be a bit like a headless chicken, you know, running all over the park, trying to get into the full-backs, then trying to get over to beat the centre-half to a tackle. Not really that six-yard box player that, that you need if you're going to be a top centre-forward. And the comments from Ancelotti were really interesting yesterday. I know people say... Duncan Ferguson will have helped him with his head and ability and that sort of thing. But I just think Ancelotti's knowledge of the game, he can come in and spot a player. If he didn't rate DCL, he'd have gone out this season and signed a striker. No question about it. The fact is, he's seen something in that kid. And I think yesterday, those three goals demonstrated to me in his header last week, which was, I think, underrated. You know, if, if some player from 
another team would have put that in the back of the net. He'd have been replaying that over and over again, wouldn't they? Um, so, you know, four goals in two. The, the lad's clearly got an awful lot of confidence. Uh, and more importantly, I think, has got a manager to trust him and who he clearly trusts as well. I think I think the the comments there about Ancelotti are absolutely spot on because if you're if you're Calvert Lewin and you've got that kind of manager showing one like you say the faith he's got in him to you know to to play him week in week out, um, as you say if he wanted to go and buy a striker he could have gone and bought a striker hasn't done and a lot, a lot of people you know even though he, he he was top scorer last season a lot of fans were saying well you know can he really cut it can he take us to that next level. Listen, if he does what he did on, on Saturday and, and against Spurs, if he's in the right spot to score the goals, that's all that you need. And to, to, for him to hear Ancelotti say, you know, what, what I've been doing is saying to him, you know, let, let's, let's score goals with one touch. Like, like Inzaghi, that must be music to the kids here. You know, he, he must be absolutely elated to have that calibre of manager. There's, along with, obviously, Big Dunk as well, but that calibre of manager trusting him to do a job and to take us to, to that next level, Lee. Yeah, massively, mate. I mean, look, if I'm Calvert-Lewin and I'm his age and you see the likes of Hamid Rodriguez coming into training, like, he's absolutely yeah. buzzing. If then the manager then turns around and starts you know, mentioning Zaghi in the same breath as you, then you're going to be feeling literally like you're 10 foot tall. So he's a clever guy. You know what I mean? He knows what he's doing there. It wouldn't surprise me if he's given Calvert-Lewin over, over the, over the um, you know, the sort of three or four week gap between the seasons, he's probably given him a video of bloody Inzaghi's finishing to look at. You wouldn't, be, you wouldn't surprise you at all, you know. And and you know, Inzaghi was one of the best strikers he's ever worked with, and was the king of the poachers' goals. And all those goals yesterday, like Franchin spent, they were all poachers' goals, weren't they? He's nicked the one off for Charleston. That might have even been going in, but who cares? Let's let, let him have it. You know, the, the header he scored, um, the third one, you know, almost came off his back, but who cares? The sort of scruffy header, but it went in. And then, um, you know, that, that, that was a great bit of improvisation for that first goal. That can't be overlooked either. You know, he's, he's adjusted his body and flicked it in. Um, and, you know, I'm really chuffed for him. I'm really chuffed for him. One of the first things Carlo did when he came in, he did actually say that you need to be more central. Yeah. He was running the channels too much. He was almost sort of, you know, one guy up against, you know, four, four defenders a lot of the time. Um, but now, since you know, since Carlo did that change, he went on to score, you know, a glut of goals. He did have a barren spell after the break. But let's be honest, our, you know, our midfield was dire during that period. We had, we had some shocking games, you know, and and I'm so chuffed now. You watch that team now, just you know, the balance he's got in that midfield with those signings. Every one of them complements each other, and we just look an absolutely different side, don't we? We look a completely different side with that midfield. He's going to he scored 13 goals last season. With with a, a pretty average midfield behind him, you know, he used to say he won't get twenty goals this season with with those players. If we can keep Hamas Rodriguez fit, I think he'll get twenty goals this season. Well, let, well, let, let's go. Let's talk about Hamas because yet yet again, obviously home debut. Um, he pops up with his first goal and assists as well from from uh, the corner, which which gave DCL obviously his uh, his hat second and. He's he's one of those. He, he he sort of seemed pretty quiet for the first thirty, you'd say. But then he started to find those little pockets again, didn't he? You know, he's, he's a clever. We know he's a clever player, but he started to find the little pockets, influencing influencing the uh, the game a little bit more. And and he pops up with a, a an absolute cracker of a, of a goal. And he's he's what we've been missing. I know, obviously, we've we've got this quality in in Alan and Decore, exactly what we need in the midfield. Legs. Uh, you've you've got a, a couple of players there who put the foot in. Take take no messing. But you always need a match winner, and you always need someone who 
even if you're under the cost for say 70 minutes, you can turn it on and, and score the winner. And yet, you know, yet again, Hammers Pete has shown his absolute star quality, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. I I tell you what I re- I really really like particularly about the first half because I know the the game changed after the um, the sending off. It was the fact that uh, Billich and West Brom have obviously looked at the game against Spurs and thought nearly everything positive Everton did came through him. You know, the ball comes from on the left and he can switch it. You know, in in a flick right over to the the, the left hand side, can't he to to Dean over Charleston and build attacks like that. So not only were they doubling up. Um, you know, with the with the sort of double cover on the wings, but they were blocking the inside pass. And you're right for half an hour. He started to think he could get a bit frustrated here, or he could easily get cut out of the game. They could nullify us, and it was the fact that he just drifted into the middle, picks it up, and ping into the bottom corner. And you, I think that for me is the sign of a really, really top quality player. You know, he's he's not got a sniff. His head could go down. He could stop working. But he just adjusts the game. He just goes where he wants, and it's you know Ancelotti's obviously set the side up to give him the freedom to be able to do that. Um, and I just think he's going to cause teams so many problems being able to play in that way. What what, what do you think, Frank? Because obviously you've seen probably better quality of players than we've seen since we've been watching watching the Blues. You've seen obviously real real quality sides in the eighties, etc. What are your thoughts on Hammers? How how good is he? Oh, clearly he's world-class player. Uh, but I'll tell you, I think one of the things, again, that, that perhaps people haven't seen yesterday in terms of his contribution was, was that bit of shithousery, if I can put it that way, that we've missed so much. How many times have we said in the past, Everton are just too nice? They're just too nice. Now, he's gone in there, he's left a foot in on Gibbs. Gibbs has lost his bot. I'm sure that wasn't the first incident, by the way. I'm sure through the game... Rodriguez, as, as you said, Pete, is probably getting a little bit frustrated, but he's thinking, well, OK, you're trying to nullify me. I'm just going to have a little nibble here and there. The next thing, left-back sent off, they're down to 10 men. I love that. I love the fact that we've got players in our team now that have got that bit of dibblement that will get stuck in. You can see Alan's got that in him. You, can, you know Decore's got that in him. And to have three players coming into the side that so clearly lack leadership, We've all got that quality. So, you know, I think undoubtedly, you know, what you would recognise in James is that class player, got the touch, got the finesse. But what I liked yesterday was, as I say, that little bit of divilment, leaving his foot in, not getting frustrated. Uh, I think that's really important because there are going to be games where teams just try and mark him out of the uh, of the match. Uh, but equally, I think when we what we did see yesterday as well is when West Brom were focusing on him, Richarlison was getting a little bit more space, a little bit more room. Uh, and again, I think Richarlison's performances in the first two games have been great. He's not found the back of the net yet, but I think his work rate, the way he's going past people now, seems to have a bit more swag and a bit more confidence in himself. And again, that'll be Hamas's influence, won't it? He'll be looking at him thinking, that's what I've got to raise my level of performance to. And and I think it was Lee said earlier, wasn't it? You know, DCL's head must have raised when James came. I'm sure that was the case across the dressing room. When you get a superstar like that walking through the doors of Goodison Park, that must give everybody a lift. But I thought his performance yesterday, uh, right from, um, as I say, the moment he uh, 
he, he put that ball in the back of the net. Then he gets Gibbs sent off. And that, that ball he played to Richarlison, that little chip over the top. I mean, that was just... That was exquisite, wasn't it? It was just yeah. superb. And, and it, you know, you just can't wait to see more of that as the season goes forward, can you? Yeah, he, he, as, like you say, he's an absolute superstar. He's world-class. And seeing, I think, because we've, we've been started that quality, mm. when, when, you, when you see that kind, of, that kind of ball that he played, obviously, for, for Calvert-Lewin's goal in the second half, I think we appreciate it even more because we haven't seen someone with that kind of guile and that kind of cleverness in those kind of areas, to be honest with you. Uh, but, go, but going back to his goal, you mentioned it, Charles, and he, he reeled away from a couple of players, didn't he? But let's not underestimate Andre Gomez, by the way, blocking yeah. off one of their players. He was trying to come in. Gomez was clever, you know, and, and I think Gomez, another player, along with, um, with Charles, and, and we mentioned off here as well, mm-hmm. Sigurdsson as well, they, they're going to they're gonna thrive and, you know, probably get a little bit more space as well because they've got this quality in and around them. And Gomez looks a lot more settled, I think, in that midfield with those, with, with Alan, with the core obviously with Hammers and the Charleston in front. Gomez hasn't got now that defensive responsibility that he had last season when he really struggled. And, you know, we, we've, we've waxed lyrical about, about Gomez before. We, we really like him. Uh, but, but it's great to see Gomez probably enjoying his football again, isn't it? Oh, mate. Uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of Andre Gomez. I thought he was outstanding really at times before his injury last season uh, that, that performance he put in for 60 minutes at Anfield before Pickford threw it in his own net was one of the best midfield performances I've seen in a, in a long time uh, he ran that game uh, for 60-70 minutes there and I, you know, I've got a lot of red mates who said that as well You know, they said he was this kid here that we need to be in for him because they were you know, they, they've never really at that point ever replaced Alonso who had that sort of passing range as well um, but no, he, he's, he, it's great to see him thrive. Um, but going back to Hammers, mate, I mean, I've, already, I, I'm a firm believer in, in any sport, football in particular as well. I, you can tell a player, you can tell a player quite quickly, you know, within, within sort of, you know, 10, 20 minutes if you're watching a football match, just little things they do. And he just absolutely uses class, absolutely uses class. And already, we're, even though we're not, you know, two games in, I'm not trying to get carried away, but he's one of the, best players I've seen in a blue shirt already even after two games um, maybe that says a lot about our team over the time I've been watching him but <laughs> but you know the closest I can think of in terms of that sort of creativity really you had it who did moments of genius occasion was like Sapinar and things like that and but I think he's another level again to that um, going back to that pass you said Frank there I mean you know to have the vision to spot that in the first place but then to deliver it on an absolute sixpence as well, straight to him, it's like a little sand wedge over the top. I mean, you know, I said to you, Mike, you mean, you know, that's the sort of thing you'd expect, like Messi or someone to do, mm. isn't it? Or Maradona, you know, he, he has got yeah. that wonderful left foot. You know, he, 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 I, after half an hour, I was they were definitely targeting him. There was a defender right up his backside every time he got it. They were niggling him. He was struggling to get space. But then the way he just, I was, I was quite keen to see how he reacted to that. And he just before you knew it, he was he was appearing on the on the on the other wing. He was on the left. He was in the middle. He was like, well, you know what? I'm not going to have this. I'm just going to drift around. And then you know he, he totally took control of the game after that. Uh, Max, they put a put a stat up to say he didn't have one sprint in the entire <laughs> game. <laughs> I mean, how, how how casual is that? I mean, he's just walking around the pitch, just dictating play, you know. And he, he, you know, he's he's never really, you know, if you, if you look at him, he's never really, he's always been a technician, but never really a dribbler, you know. And, and he's just he's just a very very clever player, isn't he? You can see it. 
he can absolutely see his touch is unreal. You know, that touch in turn gives him time. The way he manipulates the ball from defenders, you know, um, almost, dare I say it, like David Silver-esque, you know, someone, someone gets tight to me, I'm going to lose you because I'll just do a little trick or a little shimmy. And, and you know, some of those, I mean, think, I said it last week, think how good is this kid going to be after 10 games in that team? Once everyone gets used to see how he plays, once everyone thinks, look, we're going to make a run here, you know, because all of a sudden he, he can find us. It's the same thing happens to United. Players stop running and our movement stops if they think they're not going to get the ball. United would like that, brought Bruno in and suddenly transformed them. All of a sudden, they start making runs everywhere. And we can see it with us now. There's so much movement off the ball. You know, in three games, there was a stat the other day. We've had 64 shots across those three games this week. I mean, that's outstanding, isn't it? I mean, that's absolutely outstanding. More than last season, that, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it probably is. Certainly more than since lockdown, after lockdown, wasn't it? It was, it was more than the, uh, a Sam Allardyce Everton side managing the six months that he was there for. That's for sure, wasn't it? Oh God, yeah, Jesus but, Christ! Um, it, you know the the, the hammers hammer signing it, it could, could be. You know, again, ignore what you read in the papers about about the other, the other club across the park. Talk about signs signs of the season. He could be the sign of the season. At the end of the day, it's it's pretty much it's a free transfer. I think we paid off part of his his wages, part of his contract, but it's classed as a free transfer. Um, and he's just an absolute magician. And you know, at the end of the day. When's he, where's he going to go in the world where he's at the traffic lights and someone hands him a, a bottle of uh, Echo Falls Rosé <laughs> outside, outside oh, the Royal Oak? Where's he going to happen any, anywhere else? But look, look at the way he accepted it, you know, give, give everyone a little bit of a wave. And it makes it makes people people's day. You know, the fact that the, the only downside from yesterday for me really was the fact that we couldn't be there to witness that home debut. You, Alain Decore, the sun was shining. Imagine the atmosphere yesterday. You know oh. when when it, when he rockets that goal in, we we go away and score five. Calvert Lewin hats it, and it would have been you know the absolute icing on the cake for for him and the new players and obviously us as fans to to go and witness that live, wouldn't it, Pete? Yeah, yeah. I can't wait to get back. I I, I hopefully you know despite uh, the. <laughs> the slightly increased lockdown restrictions coming in on Tuesday. Hopefully they'll be temporary and it won't be that long because the, the club have sent out emails, haven't they, to all season ticket holders announcing they're going to try and have a, a ballot type system where you register your, your availability for uh, a handful of games. And then presumably if you get selected, you're then cancelled out for the the next however many until everybody's been able to get down. So it's great that the club are thinking about, you know, how they can get people back safely um, and it'll be a really, really special moment when obviously any fans at all can get back in. But that first game where we, we get full capacity, it's going to be like a historical moment in time, isn't it? I think um, you'll struggle to get tickets. Yeah. I was I think, uh, yeah. so, sorry, mate. I was I was reflecting yesterday though with, with with some of my mates about you know that early goal, and and we're all the same, aren't we? You know, we're on a WhatsApp group, so typical Everton, yeah. typical oh, Everton. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, the, the serious point here is, you know, hopefully because James was making his debut and the other lads as well, the crowd would have stayed up for it. But there have been times Goodison Park has just been toxic. Mm. And I'm hoping that, you know, if we can get through the first half a dozen games, keep this optimism and momentum going, that by the time we do return, Evertonians have actually got some faith uh, within themselves uh, about the club, about the team, because, you know, the nervousness of the crowd just does transfer itself to the playing squad. And, you know, how many times have we seen us given 
last-minute goals away. And, and it does make a huge difference to, to players when the crowd are, are, are either behind them. You know, we've seen, let's let's face it, we've seen Goodison Park rocking and, and win us matches uh, as well. Uh, but I think we've seen Everton lose matches because of the Goodison crowd. And, and I hope, as I say, that with Ancelotti uh, and with the players he's starting to assemble, uh, we can have a bit more of a positive outlook going forward. Yeah. Totally agree. And, uh, totally agree. And that, and that, and that—that's a brilliant. It's a brilliant segue into what we're going to discuss next, Frank. To be honest with you, because what we what we want to have a have a think about and a and a, a discussion about is if you look at the side that we've got now. And you mentioned there about you know the, when we get back into the ground, hopefully you know we've got that trust there. We've got something to shout about. It's not not going to be toxic, etc. Et you know, you, you've obviously like we mentioned earlier on, have seen better quality sides than what we've witnessed over the last say 15, 20 years. And we, we've had some good moments, but to, to not win a trophy since '95 is is poor. Um, if you look at the current side, and I'll come to you first, Frank, if I may. We've got obviously a top quality world class manager. We, we're signing players now of a of a better level. You know, you, you could argue we've got a couple of, of real world class talents in there as well. Have we have we now got the makings and the the ingredients of a successful side? Without getting ahead of ourselves and saying you know we're going to win the lot and things like that, and you know have we now got the basis? Do you think of a side that can achieve success over the next say two or three years? I think we have, and and you know I'm glass half full sort of person at the best of times or the worst of times, um, but I've never felt as confident uh, as I do uh, at this moment in time as a blue because of of the Ancelotti factor uh, and the fact that in the summer he's proved the ability has to go and sign some of the top class players that that he has done, and and he signed the players that you know we would have all said those are the positions that need strengthening. And and he's identified that, uh, and as I said earlier, he's identified that underlying weakness in the team, in the squad, of a lack of leadership, and he's brought three leaders into the team. But if you're asking me about the 84-85 team, which was probably the best team I, I've ever seen, I, I was um, the first team I ever watched at Everton was actually 69-70, but I was only a babe in arms then, I was only 5-6 then. Um, but that team in 84-85... You know, what Howard did um, was he basically built a spine uh, and he had uh, the best goalkeeper in the world. Uh, He had in Kevin Ratcliffe, one of the best defenders in the world. And then he had a midfield pairing with Bracewell and Reid. And then, of course, uh, up front, you had Graham Sharp and Andy Gray. Uh, And he blended that youth and experience so well. And again, I know that there were some eyebrows raised about the age profile of the players that were signed well Angelotti again has recognised you know it's an old adage and I know Alan Hansen got a bit of egg on his face when he said this many years ago you don't win anything with kids but generally speaking that is true you've got to have some old heads around there to bring these younger players through to give them the confidence of actually going out and expressing themselves so you know when they do lose the ball perhaps the crowd does get on the back a little bit you, you know, that's not going to phase Hamez. That's going to phase ha- Alan. They're going to be saying to those young lads, just get on with it. You know, think about the next phase of play. Don't be worrying about the mistake you've just made. Um, but I do think that Ancelotti will be looking at the goalkeeping position because I, I think he, I think Bickford's got to either step up to the mark 
or, or he could be out by January, I think, as soon as that. Uh, and I think, you know, Holgate and Keane, we'll see. I mean, I think Michael Keane's improved enormously over the past few months under Angelotti's regime. Um, Holgate, obviously, has come on leaps and bounds. They might prove to be the parent. Uh, and then the midfield, you'd be confident in that now. So he's starting to, to build that spine in the way that Howard did. Uh, and then, of course, he's got his flair players as well, hasn't he? He's got his Richarlison. He's got James. Uh, I was laughing when Pete said earlier about, you know, they said that there were no sprints from James in, in that game uh, against West Brom yesterday. I'll tell you, there were, there were no sprints from Kevin Seedy for the whole season. <laughs> uh, we didn't care because he was majestic in terms of that left foot, in terms of his set pieces. Uh, and so you, you, you've got, if you're a top, top club, you can afford to have a player like that on your side, a Rolls-Royce of a player. And Sheedy was that, uh, and James is certainly that. Uh, you don't like comparing different eras. It's very difficult. It's a different setup in terms of the formation that Carlo's playing. Um, but I'm sure that, you know, many people are looking at Alan and thinking the Brazilian Peter Reid. Uh, people are looking at Decore and saying, well, that combination does look very similar to Reedy. Uh, and Bracewell. You've got Gomez in there, as you mentioned earlier. Amazing that, that he's hardly being mentioned at the moment. He's such a top player. Uh, and then, as I said, I think up front with DCL and that, just that little bit of experience that Ancelotti's brought to the club and that bit of confidence that he's instilled in him, you, you can see him developing into a great centre-forward. I'm really excited uh, about this season. I think that he's got the ingredients there to build a great side. We're not there yet. I think he's probably recognised himself. He's two or three away, uh, but we're not that far off. Final point on this, and I don't want to be coming across as a, a, a Jordan Pickford uh, hater because I'm certainly not. I hope that, that the lad comes good again, and certainly in his first season, uh, he did look the part. Um, but I go back to the era where we weren't quite as successful. I had uh, a conversation not so long ago with Bob Latchford and the 70s teams uh, came within a couple of points uh, of winning league championships when Liverpool were at the pinnacle of their powers. Um, and Bob uh, made the point that Gordon Lee wanted to sign Peter Shilton uh, and the board said £300,000 was too much for a goalkeeper. Uh, Peter Shilton would have won us the title in the 70s, before uh, Howard Kendall's time. So that goalkeeping position shouldn't be underestimated. And you only have to look at City and Liverpool uh, to know that a good keeper can make a massive difference. So uh, I think big, big few months coming off for Joe. Big few months coming off for him. But, you know, in answer to your question, Mike, I've not been this excited uh, about a team that we've had on the park since that uh, that era of uh, of eighty four eighty five, I can't give them a bigger compliment than that. I think that says it all, doesn't it, really, to to have that kind of feeling about about the side. And you know, we, we've we've been blessed with some some quality, some some grit and determination in players over the years through the Moise era and, and things like that. But I think you know, like like you said, it, it is an exciting time to to you know, watch these players, hopefully get in, get in, get inside the stadium and see them live soon. But what I've, I asked people on Twitter before we recorded about any thoughts in regards to that kind of thing. And um, Matty Dillon being on the show a couple of times himself and, and basically 
what he's sort of asking or wants us to sort of think about is injuries because at the moment we've got a real solid eleven, haven't we? You know, if you look at look at that side, a, a decent eleven, maybe one or two off the bench, you can come on and do a job as well. But if we start to pick up injuries, and, I, and I'll come to you, Peter, if I can, if we start to pick up injuries, say over the next couple of months or so, maybe to the likes of a Hammers or a Decore, uh, Alan, Richardson, Calvert-Lewin, those kind of players who are integral to that side, it could really impact what, what could be a successful season, couldn't it? Definitely. I, I mean, the, the, the profile of the squad's interesting in terms of the depth we have. I mean, the fact that Walcott didn't even make the bench. I mean, fair enough, he could have had a knock, but he, he you know, he had a, a good run out, run out, didn't he, midweek. The fact he didn't even make the squad um, is hopefully a statement of the depth that we've got in sort of wide positions with Iwobi, Bernard, Anthony Gordon. So you'd hope if we, you know, if we did pick up, um, you know, a short-term injury, one of those at least could slot in or there'd be enough healthy competition to mean that someone could do, come in and do a decent competitive job. For me, the big worry is centre-half, right-back and keeper. Um, and I, I mean, I was saying to Lee after the game, you'd hope after the start we've had, I know it's only two games, you can't get carried away, but for me, just back him. You know, even if it's three loans, get an experienced keeper. So if we needed to take a bit of the pressure off Jordan Pickford for two or three games, give him a rest, take the spotlight off him a bit, you know, get someone in that, you know, the back four I'll have confidence in that's got, you know, either Premier League experience or, you know, at least top level experience. Um, and the same with centre-half and right-back, you know, let's get someone mobile in. Um, you know, there's been controversial uh, <laughs> rumours of John Stones, you know, a few a few Blues I know have said, have said, why don't we go back in for him? You know, would you have him back? I think that's a... You know that's a provocative question. I think for um, for Evertonians, you know, would you have him back and could he come in and do a very good job for us? You know, when you look at you'd have arguably Yevi Mina or Michael Keane alongside him. Um, but I, I would love to see the club go back into the market before the window closes, just to shore up that defence. Yeah, I, I think I think you made it make a, a real valid point, Pete, in, in regards to that. And- you know, sh- shoring up the the squad in, in certain positions is is going to be important. And if we do get injuries along the way, which which Matty's referring to, you know, if we could pick up a little bit of slack with maybe two or three new players coming through the door, or maybe in a few weeks of this this transfer window, then that we might be able to sort of allay some of those fears. But it's I think it's going to be quite busy. I mean, you mentioned obviously John Stones there. We've mentioned already Tamori uh, Arias, the, the right back, has been linked heavily as well. Um, is it, is it Dallow at Man U as well? Another right back who's been linked quite heavily. Mm. The Wilfred Zaha rumours won't go away either from Crystal Palace. It seems to be every single week they seem to ramp up, and you, you don't know you don't know whether the likes of say a Theo Walcott, Yannick Balassi, uh, Cheng Tosin could be part of any kind of deal to Wilfred Zaha to the club. So it's certainly going to be interesting over the next sort of couple of weeks to see one who comes in. And does sure up, you know, the squad as a whole. So we've got a good, say, fourteen or fifteen, and two who goes out. And we've discussed it, you know, a number of times in recent weeks. But um, what, what, what are your thoughts, Lee, in, in terms of the the success of this side and the success that this side could bring? If we, if we say injuries were never an issue, just for example, what what do you think the limits for this side could be over the next two or three years? That's, that's a big question, mate. Isn't it? It's a big question. Um... And the key word is what Pete used there, actually, is the word competition. 
I think you get the best out of players who are on the pitch and the players who are trying to fight for that shirt when you know when you've got competition sitting behind them. And it was quite pleasing to see, actually, uh, albeit it was only Sol- Salford, no disrespect to them, that you know there was a good chunk of those players that were trying to get in that squad. Not not getting the team, by the way, getting the squad for the game at the weekend. Yeah. I thought Anthony Gordon can count himself very unlucky not to get in there. I thought he played very well. He was unlucky not to get his first goal. Very unlucky, in fact. I thought the uh, Niels and Kuku, the, the left back, looks a real talent. You know, we've really, you know, everyone says, what does Brands do? Well, there you go. Uh, you know, he picked <laughs> up little gems like that. Um, Luca Dean, another one he's brought in. Um, so, yeah, the left back slot, look, you know, we don't need another left back now. It's sad to see Bainsey go, as we've all said. But, you know, if Luca Dean gets injured now, you know, OK, the lad's only 19. He's nowhere near Luca Dean's level. But you'd be pretty confident that he'd do a job down the left-hand side. The right side worries me a little bit. I thought Coleman had another good game. He started the season really well. Um, ironically, Seamus was known for being obviously a buccaneer and right back, and his defense, his defensive stuff was a bit like a bit of a liability. But he's almost gone the other way now. He's, he's proved out to be a pretty solid defender. Now he's lost that little bit of pace, and, and um, you know he's, he's not as buccaneering as he is going forward. There were a couple of times where he does that classic thing of checking, going back, checking, going back, because obviously he hasn't got that pace to beat a man anymore. But um, you know, getting a right back in there to push him, um, like an Arias type, I think it would be a very good signing. Um, but, you know, if we keep that team fit right now, and I said it before, there feels a real nice balance to that team right right away. I mean, you said there before, Frank, Howard did, how didn't do that overnight, did he? You know, there's that famous signing the Magnificent, Magnificent Seven. Well, hardly of them, hardly of those guys, apart from Southall, maybe, went anywhere. So, but he eventually got it right, didn't he? Eventually got the and the key word in, in, in any any football team is getting the balance. You don't always have to sign the best players, but those three in in, in Allen, Decore, and obviously Gomez in there now, and Hammers drifting about. They all provide different attributes. You know, they all provide different attributes, and and that's why I think, you know, it's the first time I've seen Sky actually talk about us in a positive light. I think they see it as well. Um, you know, a lot of the pundits are already drooling over the stuff that you know we're, we're playing as a team, and hopefully we'll be on the box a bit more as well. But um, but no, if we keep that team fit, I think we definitely can push the top six this season. Um, you know, United okay, they've only played one game; they look a little bit off it. Chelsea, I'll be honest, I've been very disappointed with them with the money they've spent. Um, lost again today. You know, speaking of keepers, Kepa's you know absolutely shocking. Uh, and they spent a lot of money on him. You know, don't, let's let's not forget that they spent what 70, 80 million quid on him. Um, if if I was if I was Ancelotti now, I'd put a bid in for Romero at United, experienced keeper. Um, you know, is more than backed up the hair at the time, and obviously the South American feel to it as well. You'd think he'd settle in the squad quite easily. Uh, I'm, I'm a bit gutted we missed out on Martinez at Arsenal's once because I thought he could have been a, a, a decent signing, but. I do agree the the keeper spot to to win anything in footy you need a good keeper and, and and I think Pickford dare I say it I just think he's a bit of a camera camera save keeper for me he makes some outstanding saves and then does some absolute basics uh, horrendously so for me if we can, if we can if we can fix those one or two slots we'll definitely push the top six I think I think on the injury front the piece that the point that you made there Mike is that you know if if the team's winning. It's much easier, isn't it, to go in uh, as a a substitute or replacement mm-hmm. player. But if you go into a struggling team and you've already been on the bench for a few weeks, that's tough. Um, but if you're going in there and you're thinking, actually, I want to stay here, 
and I'm surrounded by a team full of confidence, going in the right direction. Uh, I'm going to make a mark for myself. And I think there are players in that squad who potentially could get to that level, um, who can actually be uh, improved under Ancelotti's coaching, uh, but also probably better players than we've seen. Um, you know, Ziggerton's been mentioned a couple of times. I know it's an awful lot of Evertonians got a downer on him because of the transfer fee, for example. Well, that's not his fault. He didn't ask us to pay all that money for him. And I don't think Ziggerton's ever been given the opportunity in his right position. That's Everton. He's been played on the right. He's been played on the left. He's been played deep. Uh, he came to us as a number 10. But at the time, we signed another two number 10s, didn't we, in Rooney and Klassen. So uh, I think Ziggerton, um, with those players around him, you'll see a, a better player. Uh, I think that there's a, a couple of lads there who, big question marks over for me, Awobi and Walcott. Uh, for me, again, Mike, you mentioned Zahar there. Uh, I'd have him tomorrow over those two. I think he'd be a tremendous signing for us. And, you know, again... Really exciting player, works hard, uh, got a great um, ethic in terms of working for the team as well as having that individual brilliance. Um, but overall, you, you know, you would say, and Pete has rightly made, made the, the point about the priorities, right back and centre back. And, and again, lads, be interested to get your view. I'd have Stones back tomorrow. Yeah, I would. I'd, I'd, I'd have John Stones back. Definitely. Me and Peter smiling here. I, I was always a fan of John Stones in terms of, you know, when he was at the club, I always felt he was one of those players because of his, his overconfidence maybe at times, fans didn't like it. I always go back to that the, the Tottenham game that time when he was uh, messing around with the ball in, in the box and wins a goal kick and then turns down to the park and says, you know, just relaxing. And it was just like, you know, I ain't going to help you, mate. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> maybe maybe now on a more cultured side, he'd do a job. John Stones is a great footballer. He, he really, really is. He's got bags of ability. I've said this for a long time. He'd do a great job in, in centre midfield because he's very, very cultured. Good with the ball at his feet. He can carry the ball. He's got a bit of pace. He could do a job there. I wouldn't be averse to bringing John Stones back. Um, I, I just I wonder whether it's the right move for him. To, to come back, I, re- I really do. Um, because I, th- I thought, you know, going to, to Man City under obviously you got the stewardship there of, of Pep Guardiola as well. I thought we were going to see a real player come on here over the next, you know, two or three years. But he, he suffered with injuries as well, hasn't he? Um, so I don't, I don't know whether it'd be the right move for him. But I think he, he's one of those players who definitely should be starting week in week out for wherever club he's at. I think maybe he's wasting his talent now. Man City and should look for a move but whether that's back to Everton I'm not sure Pete yeah no I, I think um, I think you put it maybe a little bit more kindly than, than me I, <laughs> I, I think for the right price I'd have him back and, and I would have given him another chance because I feel for him in a way because he's a brilliant footballer and there, there were times in that Martinez side where you know I said to plenty of people he's probably one of the most naturally gifted um, footballers at centre half, I, I think probably I'd ever seen in my lifetime. Um, you know the way that he could play out, the composure that he would have, and when it would come off, it would look absolutely sublime. But then, you know, for the the ten or so sublime moments, every now and then you'd get a Cruyff turn in the box that would lead to a goal or um, a goal scoring chance, which is unforgivable. And Pep Guardiola clearly, 
doesn't have full confidence in him. And when when he's given him some big opportunities, he's not taking them, has he? So I think there is a big question mark over John Stones, whether he can make it at the top level. I suppose you hope he would get another chance. And it's just, yeah, will that be at Everton? Did he play right back when he came to us? Wasn't he a right back at Barnsley? He did, he did play some time at right back, yeah. He certainly did. Because I think the, the concern with Stones was he didn't have the physical attributes, I don't think, to, to, to be playing centre-half. A bit like Holgate, in a way. Holgate yeah. was, was, was similar. You look at Holgate now, and he's filled out. He's obviously got a, a bit more pace, power, strength. And, and Stones is similar. Stones obviously looks a lot bigger nowadays as well. But I think he, he did play He did play a handful of games for us at right back. Um, there's no there's no doubt, he's, as I say, he's got bags of ability. Whether a loan deal could be done maybe later on in the window if, if say, the Tamori deal doesn't come off, it's possible. I don't think we're going to want to go out and spend half money on a centre-half. I think it's going to be a loan. Uh, for both centre half and, and right back, if I'm being honest. Uh, but he's definitely, if he's being mentioned, I think he's definitely being mentioned uh, around Carlo Ancelotti's uh, table in his office, to be honest with Marcel Brands. I think his name is potentially on, on the list, but we'll see. You know, we, we, we need competition. He'll definitely provide competition, but whether, as I say, I've got reservations over whether a move back to us is the right move for him, but who, who knows? Um, but I, I do think look. I do think Mike, sorry to interrupt. I do think I do think that 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 will accelerate the process. The Branthwaite in, injury in the week as well. By the way, oh, yeah, I don't think I don't think they'll have the patience now or risk it trying to wait until the you know the end of the transfer window now, because you know let's say let's say either Keane or Mina get injured now because one of them's going to have to play in the week if not both of them. Mm. Um, then if one of them gets injured, then you know you're asking then Coleman or like Dean did the other day, getting Dean to come in and play. Uh, Centre back, which we don't want him because obviously we lose a massive creative threat from him when he if he was to play there. So um, yeah, I think I can see them trying to tie up some sort of whether it be a loan deal or what as soon as possible. Now mm. uh, it wouldn't surprise me that Brands has been on the phone to City or whoever um, to try and sort that out asap because um, we've been unlucky with two injuries there to two centre halves, haven't we? Yeah, mm. uh, and Branthwaite and- does look a player. Branthwaite does look a player. Look, he looks very composed. Uh, Gibson obviously they feel is a bit too young, so they're sending him out on loan by looks it's a Reading, aren't they? So, but he again look again looks an athlete, looks a player. Um, but we do need someone definitely sooner rather than later because you know it'd be sods law that one of them you know gets a niggle or an injury uh, in the cup in the week, and then you know we are forcing you know down to the depths already. You know three or four games in, aren't we? Mm. Yeah, I think. I mean, we'll, we'll you know let, let's let's fast forward to that game in the week if, if we can because it's you brought up a great point there in regards to to the centre half position. Obviously, when we when we played Salford last week, um, Brantford went off pretty early, sort of twenty twenty five minutes, and we we saw Luca Dean just slot in at centre half off, off the bench. Um, like you say, we've got a shortage now. Is Carlo want to want to would he want to risk playing Yeri Mina? And Michael Keane again, but obviously a game coming up against Crystal Palace at the weekend. Um, Michael Keane obviously started the game against Salford. Is he going to want to play him again and give him another 90 minutes? So he, he would have then played four, uh, lots of 90 minutes in, in such such a short space of time. We don't know, so we could we could see Seamus Coleman slot in there. He's, he's done a um, but let's you know let, let's talk about about the game. You know we we saw the Salford game, ten changes. Carlo gave those sort of fringe slash squad players a chance to impress and potentially push push the uh, you know the eleven um, who, who was starting the game in the Premier League. So we sort of got two sides, hasn't he? Now is is, is sort of what he's making out. I think he's quite happy 
in these early rounds to give these these players a chance. And there were, there were a few star performances in regards, you know, as we said earlier on, Anthony Gordon was very, very good. Uh, he's dying to score a goal, isn't he? So unlucky. Yeah, hit, hit the woodwork a couple of times. Um, but do we, do we think, and I, I'll come to you, Frank, if I can, do we think we're going to see a similar kind of 11? Obviously, we haven't got Brantway to, to call upon, but do you think it's going to be a similar kind of setup with those those fringe players uh, in from the off? Yeah, I think so. I think, and I think that's sensible, isn't it? You know, we we all recognise these days that that the Premier League does take um, the uh, the the priority and and it's accepted. But I think as Evertonians, we just want to win a pot, don't we? So the League Cup mm-hmm. gives us uh, a great opportunity. We know that we've got either West Ham or Hull if we uh, are able to get through the Fleetwood game, and then all of a sudden you're in the last eight. Uh, and I'd be surprised if. We got to Goodison Park facing West Ham if he didn't put a few of the uh, first-team players into that game. But I think for Fleetwood, it will be as near as damn it, the team that faced Salford. Uh, I think they did well. I think they deserve another chance, to be honest. Uh, Points already being made about Gordon. Very unlucky not to make the bench yesterday, I thought. Uh, And I think that team uh, would have enough in it. But uh, great point that you make there, Mike, about Michael Keane, whether or not you want to play him in another uh, game at this early stage of the season. You know, you've got to think about that Palace game. It's a big game. Uh, maybe Mina um, partnered with Coleman. Uh, that that might work. Um, Fleetwood would love to have a go at him, though, wouldn't he? If I was Fleetwood centre-forward, I'd be thinking, Yeri, that'll do for me. Um, so, so it'll be an interesting one. Um, but I, I think we'll have enough. Uh, to be Fleetwood and I think again it will be the second string um, that let's face it wasn't far off our first string last season was it so again look how much we've improved in such a short space of time yeah I, I think it, I think it's it's great to almost you know approach a game now with it you know I was never a fan of, of making wholesale changes and, and we said last week we didn't expect to see 10 11 changes I thought we'd see maybe four five six. But Carty, obviously, he's just a manager. He, he sees him in training every single day. He knows what they're all about. Um, you'd think that that sort of, that, that 11 minus brand space would have more than enough to, to be Fleetwood. Uh, but I, I almost like the fact that because of the quality that we've got on show enough, that starting 11 and the the wins that we're picking up, you know, when, and we're looking good, we're looking good doing it, that has got to push on those, those players who are starting the cup game. Surely they look at that and think, wouldn't mind a bit of that. Wouldn't mind playing alongside James Rodriguez and you know, getting balls off him and you know, uh, switching the play constantly. You've got Alan and the doing a job in midfield. You know, Charles and, and Calvert Lewin are firing, and you just think, I want to be part of that. So these these players have got a real chance here to to lay down a marker. And like you said before, Lee, just to get in the squad at the moment, they're doing all right because we're seeing the, the likes of Theo Walcott not being in the squad. Anthony Gordon, who started the season well in terms of the, the League Cup game, can't get near the squad. And he must be thinking, I've, I've got to work, you know, I've got to work harder. I've got to do more. I want to get in that start level and play with that kind of quality. Um so I mean what what do you think? What do you think, Pete, in terms of in terms of that game? Are you, are you, are you happy to go in there with with these kind of changes and almost have two different sides for the two competitions at the moment? No, I, I agree with you. I think it only benefits the the team and the team's got to be about the squad. I mean, if you look at any successful team, it's not about a good first 11. It's about a good 18 minimum. 
um, you know, players that can come in seamlessly and do pretty much as good a job. Uh, you know, Kevin De Bruyne, for example, world class, irreplaceable, but it's not so bad when you've got Mares or Bernardo Silva that can <laughs> come in off the bench. And I know we're not quite at that level, but I think games like this, it's all about getting a you know fit squad into a winning mentality, also into the sort of tactical shapes that you know Carlo Ancelotti wants the players to be able to know and embody. And you'd hope then that when they are sat on the bench, you know, eager to get the chance in a Premier League game and they get it, they can come in, um, you know, and fit in and be and be competitive and be top players. I mean, probably the slight downside for me, the game against Salford was Moyes Keane. I know he got his goal. I was pleased he got his goal. But for me, mentally, I mean, you don't know what's going on. He could have had a knock. He could have had an injury. Um, but he just did not seem at the races at all. It was almost like he he didn't quite want to be there. Um, you know, for me, he should have done a lot, lot better in that game. Um, so I still hope there's a player there in him, but I guess I'm not, yeah, I'm not so, not so sure where he fits in in that squad at the moment. I think, I think I'd like to see Moise Keane, you know, if, if he, if he started the Premier League game and, and just say for argument's sake, he had Richards on one side of him, and Hammers the other side, and he had that kind of quality. So he was asked to play central, and not sort because he came on for the last few minutes against against West Brom and went wide right. So that's not really his, his bag, to be honest, because uh, Richard also went central, didn't he? But I'd like to see Moise Keane maybe given a chance with that quality in the starting eleven now and see what he can do. I mean, he missed he missed a couple, didn't he, against Salford? You know, he he hit the post, didn't he, with one. And he put another header over the bar, didn't he, as well, when I think he thought he was going to be clattered. And, you know, you just, if, if they go in, he, he bags a hat trick and it's, you know, similar to Dominic Albert Lewis in a way, not really touching the ball as, as such, but he, he bags a hat trick. But you, you do wonder with Moise Keane whether he's had contact from Juventus, whether he knows there's a transfer back to Italy coming up in the next couple of weeks. So he's, you know, he's, he's half-hearted in, in his performances. Maybe he's just not settled. You know, maybe he's found it really hard and just can't settle in this. See, it happens, unfortunately, with, with younger players. And it'd be a shame because we, we were all, when he first came to the club, excited by the sign and thought, you know, this, a raw, a raw kid by all means, but he's got talent. He's got ability. Um, and we, we definitely haven't seen the, the best of Moise Keane. We've seen little glimpses when he's obviously started games, I think the Newcastle goal was great for him and you thought, OK, kick on. And if you can't do it against Salford and, and, and put your stamp on the game, then there's something not quite right. And for me, it's not, not the ability of him. Maybe it's that, that mental side and maybe he is going to go back to Italy. But what, what do you think, Lee, about, about that? I know we've discussed Moise Keane you know, numerous times in the last sort of few weeks and, and last season as well. What, do you think he's had his head turned and he's going to go back to, to Juventus? Yeah, I think you. I think you'll end up going back to Italy. I think I, I really do. Um, um, I think there was two players that really looked like they didn't really want to be there. Uh, he was one, and also Walcott was another. Walcott, I, you know, whilst he's not had it, you would say he's been a success at Everton. I think his professionalism has been very, very good. I think he's obviously a good trainer. I think a lot of managers speak highly of him, but he just looked like he didn't want to be there the other day. And I think he knows now that he's going to have to work very hard to get in that squad, not the team, the squad. Um, and he's certainly at his stage in his career now is probably thinking, I don't want to be playing second second string Carabao Cup football 
Um, you know, he probably when he would probably get in a team, you know, for possibly uh, a lower half Premier League team. Um, so, yeah, but going back to Moyes, I, I still think he's very raw. I think he's very raw. Um, I think he does things sometimes with the football and think, just do it, just play it easy, keep it easy, keep it simple. He's always trying to do something spectacular, I think, sometimes. It reminds me a little bit of Lukaku with his back to goal as well. You know, there was a couple of times we played it into him after knocking it about for a bit and it just bounced off him or he got nudged by the centre half. And, you know, they're the sort of things that, you know, you learn as you suppose you, you trade as you get older. And if you come from Italy and then you go and play in the Premier League where it's a lot faster and you get, you know, you're probably not used to that. Um, I just think he'll end up going back on that base. And I, I do think, you know, if something happened to Dom, yes, Richie can play through the middle. But I think if, if if Moyes does go, which I wouldn't be surprised if he does, I could see potentially Carlo maybe getting someone in on loan. Um, you know, we have been linked with uh, some sort of older guys, haven't we, recently? Um, a sort of target men type players. And I wouldn't be surprised if that happens towards the end of the window. I can see him go to Juve on loan with a view to signing him on, on what we paid for him, really. What do you think, yeah. Frank? Uh, I'm not a fan, I have to say. I mean, yeah. like like everyone, I think, was excited because of the kid's reputation, the fact that he'd been a Juventus player at such a young age. Um, but I think you made the comment earlier, Lee, that you sort of can tell a, a really good player within 20 minutes. Uh, and, you know, he's listen, he's not as bad as the ass. Um, but, you know, he, he's not struck me as somebody that you would be putting your shirt on if DCL got injured, buddy. You'd, as you rightly said there, you'd be saying to Charles and you go down the middle. I'd even, to be fair, put Walcott down the middle and trust him more than I'd trust Keane uh, in a Premier League game. Now, it could be that, that he's not settled into the country. It could be all sorts of reasons. But for me, um, he's not quite at the races. The Salford game was made for him. You know, he, he, you're saying he could have had a hat-trick. He should have had a hat-trick. Um, even taking into account that the service might not have been as the quality uh, the first team players are getting. The opposition wasn't of that quality either. And I just anticipated that he'd bully Salford a little bit. You know, he'd use his pace and he'd use his strength to actually start to um, make a bit of a name for himself. So that, that was his last chance saloon for me. But I wasn't convinced last season. Uh, I, I didn't see enough. Um, and for me... Again, we were talking earlier about the influence that Carlo Ancelotti's had on Calvert-Lewin. Well, you would anticipate that that would have been the same for, for Keane, and it's, it clearly hasn't been. So I'd, I'd be happy to see him go. I think we would potentially need to bring someone else in if that happened. Um, but for Wednesday's game, uh, again, you'd be looking at Fleetwood and you'd be thinking, go out there, son, and prove, you know, prove that, that, that there's a player in there. Uh, because we certainly haven't seen it yet. Uh, I wonder whether Iwobi will come in for Walcott, uh, because he hasn't had a run out yet, really, has he? So uh, Walcott might might find himself even more frustrated. And I was uh, I was listening to the Southampton game today. I thought they're going to be looking for players. I wonder whether Theo could be on his way back to the South Coast, because uh, as you say, Lee, it's his... At his age, at that stage of his career, he, he doesn't want to be a bench warmer. And he deserves more, to be fair. His career doesn't uh, doesn't deserve to just fritter out. He, he should be playing first-team football. He's better than, than being on the bench and just playing in the Carabao Cup, as you say. 
I think I think we will see what will be coming. I think it apparently had a bit of a knock, um, and he's probably a player that that Carlo's probably keen to maybe give this season and see how we can and see if we can kick on. And if not, then maybe next summer we we'd look at moving him on. But but I think I think yes, yeah, I think Theo could could be on his way. Um, you know, when he first came to the club, I thought he was he was exceptional. When obviously signed by Allardyce along with with Sheng Toss, I thought he did did a real good job. Uh, at, at a poor time for the club, but he hasn't particularly kicked on. Very professional. He tends to put to put a shift in, but uh, definitely, definitely not going to be. I don't think in in Ancelotti's plans over the next next two or three years. But I think Obi will come in, and I'm going to I'm going to dive in with it with a prediction for the game. I think Fleetwood are going to be smart a little bit because they they conceded two goals in stoppage time and lost against Peterborough at the weekend after being one 0 up. So I think they're going to be uh, quite keen, quite keen to to. Make an impression on on obviously uh, uh, top of the table, top of the Premier League table at the moment, Everton Football Club. So I'll uh, I'll say two one Everton. I'm going to go for. I think it's going to be quite tight. Um, I think, but I do think we'll nick it. Pete, what do you think? I'm going big. Four um, one. I think. I I think if you know if we've got a an attacking midfield there with Bernard Gordon, possibly it won't be a Walcott. Um, like Frank was saying, it, it's. It's, you know, virtually our a lot of our starting eleven um, from last season. So I think we'll have too much for them, and I think the momentum from the weekend of getting the two wins and particularly turning round a a one nil deficit and then overcoming the the two two. So I I think we're going to be on a high. We'll continue four one. Frag. Uh, I'm liking the sound of that, Pete. Um, <laughs> I think um, I, I think we'll have plenty. Uh, in the tank for Fleetwood. Now I'll go. I'll go three 0 Actually, uh, I'll go similar score to Salford. Lee, God, this optimism's great, isn't it? I've got to keep this up, boys. <laughs> Not used to this. Um, no, I, I agree as well. This is a real opportunity, uh, like we said before, uh, to get through to the next round, and you know, the likelihood of potentially playing West Ham at home to get to get through to the last eight is a real opportunity here. Um, so I do think we'll have a bit too much for him, definitely. Um, the worry is, like we said, is the centre-half slot. Um, not that you know Fleetwood are renowned for scoring loads of goals, but you know it is a bit of a worry. Um, but we should have enough going forward to to, to, to put them away, really. So I'm I'm going to say I'm going to say three-one. I think we'll score again. Like I said, we've had 64 shots in three games. I mean, this is unheard of. It's dreamland for us. Um, so I can see I can see him. Uh, See us scoring a few more there as well. Uh, and by the way, you know, obviously Richarlison won't play, but you know, he's going to do some damage to someone soon. Yeah, he, 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 he's, he's going to score three or four in a game soon. He he scored a cracking goal, didn't he, yesterday? That was disallowed. Yeah. And I tell you what, that was some finish. He deserved a goal there, didn't he? Um, so he's going to do some damage to him. I think he ended up with three assists in the end yesterday, didn't he? I think he did, didn't he? He was he was, he was given three. Yeah. Wasn't it? You could argue maybe one of them, but yeah, he, he contributes week in week out, whether he oh, scores yeah. or not. And Carlo was keen to point it out in the, you know after the game. He said, you know, yeah, obviously Dominic scored the goals this week, but Richarlison every single game, he's always always working for the team. Was it thirteen out of fourteen successful dribbles? Um, he's, he's constantly tracking back. You know, two or three assists, whatever, whatever you want to argue it. He's always doing something for the team and he's a pain in the ass basically for, for the opposition. Yeah. And I think luckily for Richarlison, we've got another player now in, in Hannes who gets targeted. So Richarlison now 
finds a little bit more space. And like you say, Lee, someone's going to concede about four or five goals to get Charleston in, in a game at some point. He's just going to absolutely start smashing the goals in. And it'll come, it'll come. He'll bag 15, 20 goals this season. No yeah. problem assuming that, that he stays fit. Um, but when, Wednesday's really important. You know, it's, it's really important to keep up the momentum and, and uh, what's been a really good start of the season so far. But we, we travelled to Crystal Palace um, next weekend. And Crystal Palace, you know, they started the season really well. A couple of really good wins, Southampton week one, and then going away to Old Trafford and, and beat United quite convincingly, to be fair. Um, and it's a side that, you know, when we go to Sellers Park, we, they're always tight games. You know, we, we quite often go there and, and, and we draw the game. But it's going to be a real, a real difficult game, isn't it? You know, and it's it's one of those where if we want to start climbing the table as well as picking up your points at your your regular top six sides, you've got to be going to this kind of difficult ground, having repeating and going there and getting the three points. Yeah, definitely. I I watched the um, the United game with interest really, and I, I thought no disrespect to Crystal Palace, but I thought United were awful. I thought they were terrible. Um, and, you know, Solskjaer's call to play Paul Pogba in a defensive midfield role alongside McTominay, it just played right into um, Roy Hodgson's hands because every, every counter-attack, they just ran into the space between uh, the defensive midfield cover and the right-back and the centre-back. And I think once you've got a player like Ayu or Zaha getting a run on um, someone like Harry Maguire or Lindelof, <laughs> you know, you're, you're in a lot of trouble. So I think we we can go there and um, put in a much, much more, I think, professional, organised midfield and make it a lot more difficult for them. Um, and I also think we'll cause them a lot more problems. Um, so I'm, qu- I'm quite confident we can, I think it'll be tight and difficult, but I think we'll, we'll do 1-0. I'll tell you what concerns me a little bit after watching, obviously, them and watching us as well against West Brom is our two centre-halves are not particularly quick. So what, what we can't afford to do is probably maybe sit just one in front. I think I'll be looking to say to the core, right, sit deeper. So so I've, I've, I've you two, I've, I've him and Alan in front of our, our two centre-halves and say to Andre Gomez, you play at the front of the triangle if you like, because I think we need that little bit more protection um, and a little bit more sort of street, sort of street-wise um, you know, mid to help out our, our, our back two, to be honest with you. What, what do you think, Frank? Because Palace are full of pace, aren't they? And they, they're going to cause problems for, for a lot of sides this season. Do, do you think that we, we need to be a little bit more maybe cautious in, in our approach? I, I think uh, you, you, good analysis there. I mean, I, I noticed the stats for, for both games that they've won this season. I think the possession was about 24% in each match. Uh, even as home to, to Southampton. So they don't mind letting you have the ball. And you will hope that Everton's creativity now with Richarlison, with Hamas, uh, would enable us to be able to unlock their defence. So, you know, that gives me some cause for optimism. But they're great on the break. And, um, you know, in Sahar, they've got some real pace there. Uh, they've got some good players. James McCarthy had a great game, didn't he, yesterday against United. Looked... Uh, Look back to, to, to Nero's best, to be fair. So I think it's going to be a really tough match. Um, for me, uh, again, point you've made, if you're going to have that ambition to, to break into the top six, it's a game you've got to go and win. Um, so I think we'll sneak it. I think Ancelotti will want to, obviously want to win it, but I think he will will have to think about tweaking things a little bit to 
to make sure that we don't leave ourselves exposed. Be even better if we could go and buy Sahar this week, though, wouldn't it? Make uh, <laughs> make it a bit of an easier game, I think. Yeah, someone said I think on Twitter last night about uh, Marcel. You got you've got until Saturday three o'clock to get the Zaha deal across the line. Um, <laughs> he, he's that he's that much of a you know he, he's so important to that side and you and you you know you listen to Crystal Palace fans and since he went you know when he went back from Man United when he didn't particularly work out for him up in the northwest they'll say you know the majority of the time he makes things happen he's he's one of those players and you mentioned earlier Frank about you know you go out you go out and you, and you bring him into our side take a place say a Walcott or a Wobie because he's he's not a game changer isn't he you know yeah. he, he can, he's one of those who's from the sublime to the ridiculous really with, with Zaha some of the things that he does you know he, he attract defenders as well which provides more space for other people he's got that pace he's got the power he works his backside off like Richardson he's always up and down his defensive side of the game is very, very good as well. Um, he's just one of those players who, if Palace lost him, I'd fear for them in a way. I know they've got some some quality, and you mentioned there, obviously, James McCarthy, he's obviously staying fit and running games. He got, he got you know, a half-decent spine in terms of you know strong, fit, strong players, but if you lose that that quality of, of Wilfred Zaha out of that side, it, it massively impacts Palace, and, and you've probably seen a finishing bottom five, and that, that that's how that's how good he is. Um, but he's going to be he's going to be really he's going to be really tough, I think, to to defend on on Saturday. But we've we've got this thing to streetwise now to to go about things correctly and set ourselves up correctly. But what what do you think, Lee? It's you know we've said it's a tough game. Zaha very very good. Je- Jeff Slough always does a good job as well. I watched him again against United yesterday. He's a big, he's a big, strong, powerful lad. He'll probably score against us. These kind of players, these kind of players, you know, uh, quite often do. Used to be Jason Punson, didn't he? He was one who used to, used to always score. Oh, yeah. um, he, he, he was one of those players. But I know, I know. It's, it's amazing to just say and plays, and you know, and and stuff reminds me a little bit of him. He's a big, strong, powerful, uh, powerful lad as well. So they've got, they've got pace and power. But what, what do you think, Lee? You know, did, can we go there? Can we win the game? Can we, can we keep the momentum going? Can we stay top of the table? Frank used the word before when we played in the game of, of for hammers of, of shit I'd I'd love us to go in now and just put a bid in just for Sahar, just to turn his head anyway. Just to turn his head anyway. Just go and put a bid in, regardless of whether it goes through or not. Just throw it in there anyway. Uh, I'd love us to do that. But um, no, the last two games we've played there, I'd, we, we've been by far the better team. Hodgson's Palace. Um, they've been very lucky to get two nil nils. If we remember those games, uh, they've really hung on, and we probably not being clinical enough to finish those games off. With the creativity we've got now, if it is a similar type of game where we do pen them in, then you'd like to think we've got the creativity now to, to, to probably score a couple of a couple of goals, two or three maybe. But they do, like we've said before, they do have a real threat on the counter. It's not just a hard town's end of player, loves to cut in on that left foot. Uh, they've signed this Eze. Um, I forget where they got him from. Was it uh, lower league? QPR, yeah. that was it. He looks a talent, doesn't he? I know he came off against, came off the bench against United. But he's another kid with power and pace. Um, so yeah, do expect us to probably dominate the ball, um, but hopefully we won't just get caught on the counter. Um, you saw Southampton today, almost suicidal against Tottenham. It makes our result look even better there because obviously what you know, Carlo's not stupid. He knows, unlike what Silver did when we played against Southampton a few years ago. Uh, or not long ago, sorry, when when uh, we went with that high line and got absolutely terrorised by Son and Kane. 
And obviously they've they've done the same to Southampton today against another high line. And Carlo's not stupid. He knows Keane and Mina can't run. So I expect them just to get them to still sit off and not leave in that leave that space in behind. Um, if we don't leave that space in behind, I don't think they can hurt us, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, I do expect it to be a, another tight game, a very competitive game. McCarthy will probably have a point to prove. He'll probably be snapping at people. Uh, no doubt he'll probably go through hammers after two minutes to try and, <laughs> and settle him. But um, I do think, you know, if it does develop into that type of game, I think we'll probably have, we'll probably have like I said, that creativity to break them down. And I do fancy us to beat them. I know they've won their first two games. But, you know, like you said, Pete, United weren't great. They looked well off the pace. They didn't look fit. Didn't look fit at all. And they, they arguably won that game just purely on legs, really. Um, so, um, yeah, I think, I, think, I think we can win. I think we can win that game and keep the run going, personally. And are they out of the Carabao Cup? Got beat? I think they did, didn't they? Yeah, they did. They got beat yeah. last week. So, they, they're going to have, obviously, a few, few extra days as well. I mean, obviously, we, we changed our side quite substantially but there could be a few involved like we saw last time I think the Charles and Alanda Corey all the Luca Dean all on the bench for the last League Cup game so hopefully we, don't, we haven't got to call upon those players I don't think Hammers has got any danger of being anywhere near the, uh, the, the League Cup game to be honest against Fleetwood as much as the Fleetwood players would, would like it I think he'll be, he'll be at home drinking his bottle of uh, Echo Falls to be honest but <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's just protect him at all costs but I, I, think, I think we'll go and win the game I think, I think it'll be tight um, but I, I do think we'll go go and win the game. I think I think another another two one, and I'll you know be quite happy, keep the winning run run going, and uh, and then look forward to to the following week when we're back at Goodison Park. But Frank, thanks very much for your time. So I think we really really enjoyed speaking to you and uh, another another fantastic another fantastic show. Yeah, thanks lads. Been great to speak to you. Yeah, mate. Gonna, thanks for coming on, pal. Cheers. And we're going to be back next uh, next weekend after the uh, the Palace game. We'll look back on the Palace game and also Fleetwood and look ahead to the trip of Brighton to Goodison Park the following week. So we're going to catch you then. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton Podcast. Podcast Network.